chapter thirty one of mrs craddock by william somerset Maugham. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva they stood for a while on a terrace overlooking the river by the side of the hospital immediately below a crowd of boys were bathing animated and noisy chasing and ducking one another running to and fro with many cries and splashing in the mud the river was stretched more widely before them the sun played on its yellow wavelets so that they shone with a glitter of gold a tug grunted past with a long tail of barges and a huge east indiaman glided noiselessly by in the late afternoon there was over the scene an old-time air of ease and spaciousness the stately flood carried the mind away so that the onlooker followed it in thought and went down as it broadened with its crowd of traffic till presently a sea-smell reached the nostrils and the river ever majestic flowed into the sea and the ships went east and west and south bearing their merchandise to the uttermost parts of the earth to southern summer lands of palm-trees and dark-skinned peoples bearing the name and wealth of england the thames became an emblem of the power of the mighty empire and those who watched felt stronger in its strength and proud of their name and of the undiminished glory of their race but gerald looked sadly in a very little while it must take me away from you bertha but think of the freedom and the vastness sometimes in england one seems oppressed by the lack of room one can hardly breathe it's the thought of leaving you she put her hand on his arm caressingly and then to take him from his sadness suggested that they should walk greenwich is half london half country town and the unexpected union gives it a peculiar fascination if the wharves and docks of london still preserve the spirit of charles dickens here it is the happy breeziness of captain marryat which fills the imagination those tales of a freer life and of the sea breezes come back amid the gray streets still peopled with the vivid characters of poor jack in the park by the side of the laborers navvies from the neighboring docks asleep on the grass or watching the boys play a primitive cricket may be seen fantastic old persons who would have delighted the grotesque pen of the seaman novelist bertha and gerald sat beneath the trees looking at the people till it grew late and then wandered back to the ship for dinner it amused them immensely to sit in the old coffee-room and be waited on by a black waiter who extolled absurdly the various dishes we won't be economical to-day cried bertha i feel utterly reckless it takes all the fun away if one counts the cost well for once let's be foolish and forget the morrow and they drank champagne which to women and boys is the acme of dissipation and magnificence presently gerald's green eyes flashed more brightly and bertha reddened before their ardent gaze i shall never forget to-day bertha said gerald as long as i live i shall look back upon it with regret oh don't think that it must come to an end or we shall both be miserable you 
are the most beautiful woman i've ever seen bertha laughed showing her exquisite teeth and was glad that her own knowledge told her she looked her best but come on the terrace again and smoke there we'll watch the sunset they sat alone and the sun was already sinking the heavy western clouds were a rich and vivid red and over the river the bricks and mortar stood out in ink-black masses it was a sunset that singularly fitted the scene combining in audacious color with the river's strength the murky wavelets danced like little flames of fire bertha and the youth sat silently very happy but with the regret gnawing at their hearts that their hour of joy would have no morrow the night fell and one by one the stars shone out the river flowed noiselessly restfully and around them twinkled the lights of the riverside towns they did not speak but bertha knew the boy thought of her and desired to hear him say so what are you thinking of gerald what should i be thinking of but you and that i must leave you bertha could not help the exquisite pleasure that his words gave it was so delicious to be really loved and she knew his love was real she turned her face so that he saw her dark eyes darker in the night i wish i hadn't made a fool of myself before he whispered i feel it was all horrible you've made me so ashamed oh gerald you're not remembering what i said the other day i didn't mean to hurt you i've been so sorry ever since i wish you loved me oh bertha don't stop me now i've kept it in so long and i can't any more i don't want to go away without telling you oh my dear gerald don't said bertha her voice almost breaking it's no good and we shall both be dreadfully unhappy my dear you don't even know how much older i am than you even if i wasn't married it would be impossible for us to love one another but i love you with all my heart he seized her hands and pressed them and she made no effort to resist don't you love me at all he asked bertha did not answer and he bent nearer to look into her eyes then leaving her hands he flung his arms about her and pressed her to his heart bertha bertha he kissed her passionately oh bertha say you love me it would make me so happy my dearest she whispered and taking his head in her hand she kissed him but the kiss that she had received fired her blood and she could not resist now from doing as she had wished she kissed him on the lips and on the eyes and she kissed his curly hair but at last she tore herself away and sprang to her feet what fools we are let's go to the station gerald it's growing late oh bertha don't go yet we must i daren't stay he tried to take her in his arms begging her eagerly to remain please don't gerald she said don't ask me you make me too unhappy don't you see how hopeless it is what is the use of our loving one another you're going away in a week and we shall never meet again and even if you were staying i'm married and i'm twenty-six and you're only nineteen my dearest we should only make ourselves ridiculous but i can't go away what do i care if you're older than i and it's nothing if you're married 
you don't care for your husband and he doesn't care two straws for you how do you know oh i saw it i felt so sorry for you you dear boy murmured bertha almost crying i've been dreadfully unhappy it's true edward never loved me and he didn't treat me very well oh i can't understand how i ever cared for him i'm glad i would never allow myself to fall in love again i suffered too much but i love you with all my heart bertha don't you see it oh this isn't like what i felt before it's something quite new and different i can't live without you bertha oh let me stay it's impossible come away now dearest we've been here too long kiss me again bertha half smiling half in tears put her arms round his neck and kissed the soft boyish lips you are good to me he whispered then they walked to the station in silence and eventually reached chelsea at the flat door bertha held out her hand and gerald looked at her with a sadness that almost broke her heart then he just touched her fingers and turned away but when bertha was alone in her room she threw herself down and burst into tears for she knew at last that she loved him gerald's kisses still burned on her lips and the touch of his hands was tremulous on her arms suddenly she knew that she had deceived herself it was more than friendship that held her heart as in a vice it was more than affection it was eager vehement love for a moment she was overjoyed but quickly remembered that she was married that she was years older than he to a boy nineteen a woman of twenty-six must appear almost middle-aged she seized a glass and looked at herself she took it to the light so that the test might be more searching and scrutinized her face for wrinkles and for crow's feet the signs of departing youth it's absurd she said i'm making an utter fool of myself gerald only thought he loved her in a week he would be enamoured of some girl he met on the steamer but thinking of his love bertha could not doubt that now at all events it was real she knew better than any one what love was she exulted to think that his was the real love and compared it with her husband's pallid flame gerald loved her with all his heart with all his soul he trembled with desire at her touch and his passion was an agony that blanched his cheek she could not mistake the eager longing of his eyes ah that was the love she wanted the love that kills the love that engenders how could she regret that he loved her she stood up stretching out her arms in triumph and in the empty room her lips formed the words come my beloved come for i love you but the morning brought an intolerable depression bertha saw then the utter futility of her love her marriage his departure made it impossible the disparity of age made it even grotesque but she could not dull the aching of her heart she could not stop her tears gerald arrived at midday and found her alone he approached almost timidly you've been crying bertha i've been very unhappy she said oh please gerald forget our idiocy of yesterday don't say anything to me that i mustn't hear i can't help loving you don't you see that it's all utter madness 
she was angry with herself for loving him angry with gerald because he had aroused in her a passion that made her despise herself it seemed horrible and unnatural that she should be willing to throw herself into the arms of a dissolute boy and it lowered her in her own estimation he caught the expression of her eyes and something of its meaning oh don't look at me like that bertha you look as if you almost hated me she answered gravely i love you with all my heart gerald and i'm ashamed how can you he cried with such pain in his voice that bertha could not bear it the whole thing is awful she groaned for god's sake let us try to forget it i've only succeeded in making you entirely wretched the only remedy is to part quickly i can't leave you bertha let me stay it's impossible you must go now more than ever they were interrupted by the appearance of miss ley who began to talk but to her surprise neither bertha nor gerald showed their usual vivacity what is the matter with you both to-day she asked you're unusually attentive to my observations i'm rather tired said bertha and i have a headache miss ley looked at bertha more closely and fancied that she had been crying gerald also seemed profoundly miserable surely then the truth dawned upon her and she could hardly repress her astonishment good heavens she thought i must have been blind how lucky he's going in a week miss ley now remembered a dozen occurrences which had escaped her notice and was absolutely confounded upon my word she thought i don't believe you can put a woman of seventy for five minutes in company of a boy of fourteen without their getting into mischief the week to gerald and to bertha passed with terrible quickness they scarcely had a moment alone for miss ley under pretence of making much of her nephew arranged little pleasure parties so that all three might be continually together we must spoil you a little before you go and the harm it does you will be put right by the rocking of the boat and though bertha was in a torment she had strength to avoid any further encounter with gerald she dared not see him alone and was grateful to miss ley for putting obstacles in the way she knew that her love was impossible but also that it was beyond control it made her completely despise herself bertha had been a little proud of her uprightness of her liberty from any degrading emotion and that other love to her husband had been such an intolerable slavery that when it died away the sense of freedom seemed the most delicious thing in life she had vowed that never under any circumstance would she expose herself to the suffering that she had once endured but this new passion had taken her unawares and before she knew the danger bertha found herself bound and imprisoned she tried to reason away the infatuation but without advantage gerald was never absent from her thoughts love had come upon her like the sudden madness with which the gods of old afflicted those that had incensed them it was an insane fire in the blood irresistible for all the horror it aroused as that passion which distracted phaedra for theseus son the temptation came to bid gerald stay if he remained in england they might give rein to their passion and let it die of itself 
and that might be the only way to kill it yet bertha dared not and it was terrible to think that he loved her and she must continually distress him she looked into his eyes fancying she saw there the grief of a breaking heart and his sorrow was more than she could bear then a greater temptation beset her there is one way in which a woman can bind a man to her forever there is one tie that is indissoluble her very flesh cried out and she trembled at the thought that she could give gerald the inestimable gift of her person then he might go but that would have passed between them which could not be undone they might be separated by ten thousand miles but they would always be joined together how else could she prove to him her wonderful love how else could she show her immeasurable gratitude the temptation was mighty incessantly recurring and she was very weak it assailed her with all the violence of her fervid imagination she drove it away with anger she loathed it with all her heart but she could not stifle the appalling hope that it might prove too strong End of chapter thirty one